and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, welcome to Eat the Storms. I am Damien B. Donnelly and we are back with another packed podcast of poetry because it feels like what we need right now is poetry for these very unpoetic days. And certainly this strange week of rising numbers, falling numbers, countries going into lockdowns, coming out of lockdowns, thinking about more lockdowns, trying to comprehend what Christmas will be like and worrying about that election and how that candidate got so few votes. Per Kanye. Although it did inspire me to possibly run for the next president of Ireland, seen as our current president, Mr D, is actually a renowned poet himself. Today's guests bring tales of love and loss from southern and northern Ireland, from across the waves in Scotland and across the ocean in Kentucky, in those not-so-United States. So, let's get on with the show. I'm going to open today's show by reading a poem from my debut collection, Eat the Storms, published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press and almost two months old. This poem is called Catch Colour and talks about catching colour, catching kisses and most of all catching hope, which is something we all need right now. Catch Colour The sun sets and rises And in between we catch the kisses that come upon the current, though the continent is not ours to conquer. Tides come and go. Touch is temporary. Flesh is polished pink below the sky, but falls like sands in the glass that hoards the hours like clouds that can never be caged. The sun sets and we blaze orange blossoms into the passing nights. The night's gale calls of connections in the passing. Passion is precious until it too passes. The sun rises and falls. Catch light. Catch the fire before it drowns on the water. Catch the colours to paint the coming of the grey. To keep afloat until the next kiss. Catch colour. Catch kisses before the sun sets. Let worry waste upon the wave. Tomorrow's light will be blue enough. It's now time to welcome our first guest to the show. 
I was first introduced to this poet during lockdown round one when the wonderful Cove Readers and Writers Group based here in Cork in Southern Ireland and organised by the wonderful poet Rory DeBarra who has previously been featured on this show initiated their five word poetry prompt series. Every day of the week they offered us five words and it was up to the poet to put those five words into a poem and it inspired a wonderful group of writers who all jumped at the challenge to brighten up the monotony of those dark days. One of the poets who took part in this is our next guest, whose daily poetry responses floored me. And I'm so grateful that I was able to find this spark of light and joy in a time that was far from light. She comes from just across the waves in Scotland and draws her inspiration from the big seas and deserted beaches of her homeland. Her themes include love and loss, and while they always pull at the heartstrings, they're clever enough to be never overly sentimental, but just honestly truthful. While having been featured in numerous publications, including the Hedgehog Poetry Press, she also has two collections available to buy entitled The Space Between the Rain and Stroking the Air. Sit back and enjoy the excellence of Eileen Carney Hume. Hello, Damien B. Donnelly over there in Ireland. Eileen Carnehume here from the northeast of Scotland. What an honour and a pleasure, Damien, to be invited to contribute to your podcast. Thank you so much. And can I take this opportunity also to say huge congratulations on the publication of your first collection, Eat the Storms, by Hedgehog Press. I'm going to read three poems today. The first one is from The Stone Messenger, which is my third collection from Indigo Dreams. Thinking of my mother as Lauren Bacall. Perhaps it was the look, or how often you said you loved Humphrey Bogart, the pin curls set a hairstyle that twisted winds on Dunoon Pier, a day trip with your friend Jenny, fashioned in fur-trimmed camel coats, bringing Hollywood glamour to an order of fish and chips, free to be post-war, out of uniform, to be bold, lipsticked, to light up a cigarette, laugh with young men who thought they were Humphrey Bogart, who dreamed of kissing you in late-night shop-front doorways, sheltered from memories, their bones grim, hollow like mirroring ghosts watching from windows, while relentless stars echo variations in time. And the second poem that I'm going to read is from my collection, The Space Between Rain, which is also published by Indigo Dreams. She imagines. With every in-breath, she imagines his walk towards her. The dark and light of 13 years spilling over rooftops in Tinseltown. How he left with sea in his pockets and waves swallowing goodbye. In Oxfam shops, she whispers to wind chimes, asks about a man carrying an ocean. She leans towards the second-hand books, 
wonders if his words have washed up on city streets, wonders if he stepped into tomorrow, remembering to count stars to slip Orion's belt. Someone with a backpack and his eyes bumps into her shadow. She looks twice as a twist of scent gathers up her heart. She pushes through the door, follows pavements where footsteps burn to dust. And the third poem I'm going to read um, is a poem that was published by Hedgehog Press. It won their competition, Cupid's Arrow po Poems of Love, um, in, in 2019. What do we know of time? Look at the clock, its arms crooked, unable to move forward or back. I wonder if you seek me out on moon-filled nights, when stars drip painlessly into the ocean, and words are caught like fish, too slow to escape the net. Yes, I want you still. In my pockets, your gifts of pebbles, tiny planets of light and shade in perpetual motion, leaving us silent and apart. But memory pays no heed of time. In these strange days of half-living, I know your lips, your hands, your breath on my shoulder. Like a ghost, weightless, I carry you beyond all darkness. Thanks very much, Damien. As I mentioned in the introduction to Eileen, we both met virtually thanks to the Cove Readers and Writers Poetry Prompts on Twitter. And so I thought it was only fitting that I should read two of the poems that were inspired by those wonderful five word prompts that brightened up every single morning when every day felt like the previous and yet no day felt like the one that had been before. The first poem I'm going to read is called Swan Neck, which was very much inspired by the feelings at the time of not being able to see what was up ahead. And the second poem is entitled Red. Swans have long necks, though not as long as giraffes. But I wonder still, if they can see any further upstream than the rest of us whose necks burly stem a few inches above the clavicle. The current is a non-stop exciting confusion. Waves of wisdom and what-ifs. What if I fall? What if these wings won't fly? What if he sticks around? What if he won't let go? What if I am more alone than I ever was while trying to be understood? And what is wisdom, really, if I cannot be prepared in advance to use it? 
Swans have long necks and feet that never seem to need a break from being held down. I have a short neck and am always on the lookout for that break. We strike matches along the shiny skins of polished apples. Bite into the heat of burning coals that hold no seeds within their core. Watch our reflections on the shiny skins of those ripening fruit. As if it will show us a truer representation of who we might be. Because it too holds a core beneath its skin while the ashes add a bitter fruitfulness to the taste now thick upon our tongues. If we were obliged to share, perhaps we'd take more time to peel back slowly instead of striking all those matches that burn too quickly while guiding blindly all those ashes onto our oh-so-open mouths. Our next guest poet, who is busy settling down after recently moving back to Kentucky, very graciously has given me permission to read some of his poems, which will be featured in his upcoming poetry collection, due out later this month, called New Disease Streets. A writer for nearly 20 years with contributions in Ice Flow Press, Dark Morrow and Royal Rose Magazine, as well as his own collections available on Amazon entitled The Famous Poetry Outlaws or Painting Walls and Whispers and The Cartoon Diaries. He is also the creator of Fevers of the Mind Poetry, which features print and Kindle anthologies. Editions 1 to 3 are currently available to buy. And he currently has a submission call out now for the next issue until the 15th of December. So check out feversofthemind.wordpress.com. But for the moment, please welcome to the show the poetry of David L. Onan. We were magnetised to the Helix Nebula as the sadness drank us in the waves of our endless walks down Mulberry Street where I'd learned of your stoning. Or I trusted you with your magic under the poetry of the slick moon washed over the river. For a moment it was beautiful again ridden itself of the overheated catfish vapours, and you were beautiful, although destroyed. All that I could help you with was blind ignorance of what love was. And I can bash away at the lullabies that would haunt us and crawl through our skin tripping over the biting mosquitoes as I learned you would depart back and new suicides would breathe in each of my heartbeats. 
The tears of all the galaxies bled out majestically with colours I never imagined before. I traced the lines of my own hand, hoping to find the constellation in which the lines of your hands lay. You are now a fading bruise, fading slowly. You were once a hematoma resting in the subcutaneous tissue, skin blinded into disease, love bound by the control. Words that hurt, that burn their hearts like a cattle prod. She was made to love you. And all she gave you were the insults, lesions covering the beauty of your mind. Social hidings, the mysteries of trusting. You had guilt, shame, ghosts of self that formed like an empire across your starving heart. One kiss from the sin of black magic leading from one control in one hand to switch to the mastermind and their constraint, casting the rainbow of colours over your lost hope. You peek into your reflection in those waters that you were always frightened by, instead of seeing the glass floating in shadows, leaving the stamp of tension. You now owned the freedom of bleeding, tears, the emotions of being human. Monsters fade back to stems. Oh, to see a fading of corruptive bruises. Such a beautiful, natural high to breathe the oxygen of your own reborn empire. And support is there, in the crystals of light that could never blandish to the cult of bruising. In perfection we search behind these doors, the smears on mirrors, oil on the screens, Broken tears solidified to a canvas, rain, moon, schizophrenic. Out of the windows, a city masking imperfection, italicized perfection. Lips quivering in the cold, clotted air, and inside as well, the perfection in tremors, your perfect face from afar. My blue skin, its infinite choke. Your perfect skin up close, my out-of-body walks with fate that doesn't extend past these doors. Recluse, worries, worries about what? Compressed energies, outgoing ghosts that feel free to possess you away 
for a few dark hours to have felt free. Vertically and horizontally drunk on lunar blood. Grieving in my bohemia. Loving in sudden smoke, bridges vanish before your eyes as you walk through all these canals in your mind. A mind that functions on scattered smoke, impulsive smoke. It appears for a few creative breakdowns when clustered. Here is the choking. Searching for the perfection from afar. Your perfect soul. My black halos from afar. Your perfect fire. My burning desire to touch these cherry wood doors. And watch downtown rivers that seem like puddles blur away the walking perfection. The synthetic machines that create us now. How unattainable is the art we are blind to. Not afar, a perfect kiss. My skin looks beautiful when the scars dance. Normal, really. The perfect imperfection is that everything really, truly is normal. I first met our next guest virtually when we were both invited by Women Allowed Northern Ireland to take part in the Eastside Arts Festival celebrations. We were asked to write a poem based on a famous song, an event organised by Gaynor Kane, a regular contributor to this podcast series. And speaking of Gaynor Kane, our next guest has a poetry collection coming out at the end of this month, which she penned alongside Gaynor. It is published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press and called Penned In Poems from Lockdown. When you have some time, you must look up the video this guest made for her Eastside Arts Festival poem, which was inspired by the song Embraceable You and the current times we are living in called I Touched You. For now, relax for a while in the incredible company of Karen Mooney. Damien, thank you very much for the invitation to take part in your poetry podcast. I'm thrilled to be included in such esteemed company and I wish you every success with the podcast, which I know has already travelled far and wide. My own journey into writing came late in life. Back in 2016, my late father took ill with a deep stroke and passed away within a month. And realising that he was in his final chapter... Uh, made me want to talk about it but that was deemed a little negative at the time so I resorted to pen and paper and that's how I got started. Given that situation I think it's appropriate that I would read something about that time in my life and this one is called A Fond Farewell. It was included in the Bramley which is an anthology of flash fiction armagh. A fond farewell. 
Stand easy, Dad. This shift is over. Salute. Left turn. Fall out. Now the time has come for another roll. Let there be no doubt that your gentle squeeze of my hand offered to comfort you in your own way, reassured to spell the future out. Not a man of words for the family, yet speech is never phased. Formality, authority, a presence that left many so amazed with signals, a stance, a look, sometimes a furrowed brow. Commanding our attention, even in death, you somehow summoned the strength to say everything. No words got in the way. Piercing looks, intense, a smile over another's shoulder, a wink, that sense of mischief ever present, knowing precisely what I would think. Once a bear of a man, such stature, physical strength now leached by death, Yet the character remains, honed, even mellowed with each lessening breath. A lifetime of avoiding intimacy, yet you seem to crave my touch, or perhaps knowing that I needed yours, that I was trying to be brave. That promised final drink, well, I closed the door, placed that stout-soaked sponge to your lips, saluted you with the tin, then raised it to my own. The look on your face was priceless as you sucked that sponge like a child, eyes gleaming, smiling. A temporary release from a living hell. Knowing that you were going home, blind eyes were turned, no one would tell, but word got out. Staff cheered internally at our final act of defiance. Boy, you raised me well. We talked. Well, I did. You listened. Covered all the bases. And you, content that all would be well, turned your mind to other places. Restful. Peaceful. Stepping back from duty yet still willfully displaying that even in death there's beauty. That's a precious wee memory of my father and the time that he passed and my delight that he he and I were able to share some of the black stuff together and it also delighted the staff in the care home and it has left me with a very special memory. Moving on, I'm going to read one about my mum. And it was really only whenever my father passed away that I started to think more deeply about her death, which happened when I was 16. And back in those days, you didn't talk about a parent dying. Everybody sort of went on about their business. So I hadn't really properly grieved, if at all, for her death. And thinking back... uh, it would seem that she has was preparing me for the last two years of her life for what was to come in that she would have taught me to clean, cook, sew, all those sort of domestic duties. But in her final days, she was unable to do any of that. So my dad and I made a pot of soup. So this one's called vegetable soup and it's included 
by Poetry NI in their 4x4 publication. We worked in silence, using her recipe. Brought the shin bone to the boil, drained the fat off, in went the barley, lentil and splint peas. Dad suggested that we use a pressure cooker. Back up to the boil as we washed and chopped, added the vegetables and waited. I was glad that he did the onions. I didn't want to cry in front of him. He tried to release the pressure. The soup-stained ceiling was evidence that he was in unfamiliar territory. The little that was left tasted good. Mum asked for seconds. I felt her approval. Later, he told me that the doctor had said that was how it would go. Something tasty, wetting her appetite. Then, I hadn't realised that we had just prepared her last supper. Now that was a sad wee memory, so I'm going to move on to something much more positive, which is about the birth of a baby. In lockdown this year, a friend living in London who was self-isolating because of his own illness missed out on the birth of his baby grandson. So when lockdown was lifted, and a good wee while after that, before they were able to meet, he sent me a photograph and I was absolutely delighted and wrote this little poem to celebrate. It's called Baby's Breath, based on the plant that's included in the bouquet of flowers, traditionally. And I'm delighted that it has been included in a joint pamphlet with Gaynor Kane called Penned In, which is a pamphlet of pandemic poetry. It has been published by Hedgehog Poetry Press and is due for release at the end of November. Baby's Breath for Fergus Your tiny leaf-like fingers unfurl as we trill news of your arrival. Hope fills the air as you exhale, heralding the future. Long stems stand proud, heads lifted heavenward as you breathe life into a fading bouquet. Sharing the same soil, we'll toil to tend your roots, watch you spread each year, then bloom, cast your seed on a waft of joy to settle in loam of your own. The next poem I'm about to read is called The Sea and the Stars and I wrote this poem in response to the song Skyfall by Adele, the Bond team tune, which Gaynor Kane asked me to write about for the participation of the Women Allowed Northern Ireland in the Eats Side Arts Festival in Belfast. Is this the end? We rise on the intake so the water falls behind. We burst out. The ocean is only bottomless at the end and we are only the beginning. The air will open on release. 
Sky falls to kiss this liquid blue goodbye. We rise, attractors to the tension, to the depths above the waves as we break the surface. We are bold beginners. We can walk on the water and more. We are braver than what we've been told. Chest proud, fins fall to feathers, float becomes flight and that sky falling paints our scales with smooth stars the ocean would only extinguish. We kick the current in a cartwheel of airborne kaleidoscopes that spin our old names out into the stratosphere while we carve new names for each other out of the constellations. Drunk in upward dive, we fall quickly to forgetful, to the circle to the orbit, to the time ticking and that tide and then that tension. Elastic can only be stretched so far. Some beliefs are only borrowed. We are sea and sky, sand and star. We catch kisses at the back end of a slow current of shooting stars before twisting in downward dive. The ceiling has as many limits as the ocean floor. Is this the end? Sky falls until it doesn't. Until we are bound back to breathless, to tearing gills into our guts. The beginning is also the end. So the cycle can start again. Sea comes to kiss the heavens blue as we fall this time. Head first into an open ocean, and again we burst. The sky is only endless until you kiss the truth. And then we can decide what to believe. Our next and final guest on today's show looked on writing as only a hobby until 2013 when, after going through a difficult time in his life, he posted some of his poems from that period online and they resonated so much with people that he found the confidence in 2015 to publish his debut collection of poetry entitled Dance in the Rain. This collection was launched by Donegal mountaineer Jason Black, who had conquered Everest that year and who later became the first man to conquer K2, where he left a plaque with a tribute to Irish climber Ger MacDonald, who'd lost his life on that mountain. And that plaque and tribute holds a poem written by our next guest. 
I discovered this poet during lockdown earlier this year as a result of the daily poetry prompt, this time from poet-in-residence at Poetry Ireland, Catherine Ann Cullen. Please welcome to the podcast, the poet, Liam Porter. Thank you so much, Damien, for inviting me to be part of your wonderful Eat the Storms podcast. Um, And it's such an honour to be part of so many amazing poets and I've loved listening to your, all your work and all the work of your contributors over uh, recent weeks. And the first poem that I'm going to read today is called Out of the Storm. I thought it would be appropriate. Uh, and it's the first poem in my own book called Dance in the Rain that I published in uh, 2015. Out of the Storm. There will always be more storms to weather, opportunities to hide, to keep the head below the parapet until it seems a perfect time has come to peek out from your fears, hoping that just maybe the worst of the tempest has passed you by. But those storms can also offer exciting new prospects, chances to show strength, the fortitude to keep focus on the glimmers of brightness however far on the horizon, the choice to tough it out, to shake off obstacles and pain, to step out from the shadow of those raging storms and learn to dance in the rain. The second poem I'm going to read today, I was, I've been thinking about this quite a lot over the last number of weeks um, and I was thinking at the start when we had our first lockdown, part of the thing was it seemed to show the best in some people or a lot of people and they they understood what priorities were and what were the main things in life. Uh, And as time has gone on and as people have got more fed up with COVID and the pandemic, um, there's been a shift in attitude and a lot more anger and and social media can be a very angry place. And I was reminded of this uh, poem that I wrote a number of years back uh, and it was based on a story that I read a palliative nurse called Bonnie Ware had written down the five regrets of the dying and I read that story and uh, it inspired this poem the poem is called Seeing Clearly they could see it all clearly now that they knew that the end of their days would be upon them soon the last weights they carried, all bucketfuls of regret, pressing down on their shoulders for the final leg of their journey. They wished in this moment that they had had the courage to have followed their heart, made their own choices, been directed by their own hopes and dreams and aspirations, not pushed down a road by somebody else. If they could go back now, they would not work so hard again. They'd refused to give their all to career and pursuit of money, missing out on real treasure, precious time with their loved ones and watching their children grow. How they'd love the chance again to just open up the bottle where all their true feelings bubbled underneath because they had always feared unpopping that cork. They had let those feelings fester inside until the poison grew. They remembered too 
all the good times with lost friends, those they had allowed to drift away in the wind of good intentions, that phone call, someday or unsent Christmas card, and they were sad. And as the sun rose on the horizon, down those last few miles, it suddenly dawned on them that happiness was a choice. Then they wished earnestly that they had allowed themselves to have been happier. They took their last steps forward, praying that those behind them on the journey would stop for a second and look ahead, hoped that those who followed would see what they see now. And my last poem today uh, is one that I wrote when I was doing the daily poetry prompt challenges set by Catherine Ann Cullen and I really, really loved doing that. And I loved reading all the poems uh, and the kind of new poetry community that I became part of. And I still read uh, their amazing poetry every week when they answer the weekly challenges. Uh, and I'm, I'm hoping to get back to those on a much more regular basis. I think the challenge uh, on this particular day was Leaf. Uh, and it's a poem inspired by the story of a guy called James Leonard. I saw him on the Tommy Tiernan show and, and the story just um, moved me. Uh, and a lot of the poetry that I write uh, is kind of a self reminder to persevere and we can always persevere and, and really stick at it. And also and just on the importance of helping and believing in others as well. And this poem is called, If Only One Person. Deep down inside, he knew he had more to offer life than he was giving. But in his heart he realised that he had gone so far now, he couldn't do this alone. All he had ever wanted was for someone, anybody, to stop and really see him. To believe that he was more than the label pinned on him by someone else. If even one person did that, thought his was not a futile existence, he knew he could feed off their hope, grow with their encouragement, turn over a new leaf and prosper. Thank you, Damien. As I mentioned in the introduction to Leem, we also met during a Poetry Prompt series. This one run by Catherine Ann Cullen as part of her Poet in Residence series at Poetry Ireland. Every weekday during lockdown, she challenged us all with a one-word poetry prompt and a host of stunning poems poured out from all over Ireland and around the world. It is currently still ongoing, with now one poetry prompt running for the whole week and a special prompt on Wednesday, which is called the ABC of Dublin, with a different letter every week as we rise through the alphabet to inspire rhyming couplets about a place in the city that begins with that letter. I'm now going to read two poems inspired by those prompts. The first, like Leem's, was inspired by the word leaf and from being back at the family home and working in the garden once tended by my grandmother called Always the Leaf. 
The second poem that I'll read, which is about the stunning local library, which was formerly a church. And this poem is featured in the Rush Times magazine and is called The Light Inside the Books. I remember you growing older. How your skin adapted as if it had grown in the garden on the branch of the rhododendron. Shiny it was, with lines that time had tempered into it, ever so carefully. Like you tempered peace into our panic, stillness into our haste, serenity into our cacophony. The leaf. Always the single leaf of our lives, never wanting to be the blush of the flower, just the leaf, always under, in support. New leaves, like withered skin, sprout slowly from ageing bark. Soft beauty between the bramble and the briar, between being the wife, and mother, and grandmother. Today, I tended the garden, Mom's garden now, your garden once when we were but shoots and you the whole tree. And I remembered you, the slow shuffle of your slippered feet and those grand cardigans that wrapped their comfort across the curve of your back that bowed like a branch to reach us all the better. I recalled your skin that had grown a fine line for each of us, a connection to catch hold of, to come back to. Those kids we once were with spotless skins life had yet to mark, always eager to explore while knowing how to find our way back and the one who would be waiting on her stool by the window, in the kitchen, in the sunlight, peeling and baking, baking and peeling to the tune of the radio and the whirl of the twin tub waiting for us to find our way home. I remember you as you grow older, today and every other day. I found where they keep the light, here, at the far end of a long road, just up from childhood summers near slipaway shores, contained in a considered space, where books are bound to interest and cosy corners tipped in velveteen seductions of blue that does anything but chill. Funny to find this here, where once this structure of simple stone held such complicated conditioning. Once home to a bigger book you daren't touch and a language no one understood. Where they performed shows on Sundays with their asses to the audience, rattling off the old Latin, 
the trial of the owl tridentine without a single Shakira shake. Funny to find all this here, now, this room of light and lending, where knowledge can be found and held and taken home and thought about and brought back without any penance or concept of confession for the next and the next again. Funny what you find when you let in the light. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, men and women, non-conformers and non-believers, gender X and gender equals, that is it for another episode of Eat the Storms. I have been Damien B. Donnelly and my guests on today's show have been Eileen Carney Hume, Karen Mooney, David L. Onan and Liam Porter. As always, the details and links to today's guests are available on the website www.eatthestorms.com and the podcast section. This is episode 10. Any questions or desires you have to be a featured poet on the podcast can be directed to eatthestorms at yahoo.com. Don't forget that David L. Onan has that submission call out for Fevers of the Mind Poetry. Karen Mooney has her new collection coming out later this month with Gaynor Kane called Penned In from the Hedgehog Poetry Press. And Eileen and Liam both have their collections, which you can buy now for lovely, warm and welcome Christmas presents. We cannot give hugs right now, but maybe we can pass on the gift of poetry. I will be here again next week. I am currently planning both an Irish-themed guest episode and, of course, as we might not be able to have that traditional Christmas we were all expecting, there will definitely be a poetic Christmas party coming to eat the storms with tinsel on top. So, in the meantime, stay safe, stay well, stay calm and stay bloody poetic!